where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. It's lived and taught in such a way that people knew the Spirit was coming. And they would ask him, what is that like? What is it going to be like when the Spirit is here? And when Jesus would teach about that, he most often taught in parables. And so we are continuing our sermon series this morning on the parables of Jesus. And we're hearing one that is only found in the Gospel of Matthew. Let us hear that now. This is from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, reading from the message. A story about workers. God's kingdom is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Later, about nine o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around down by the town square, unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard and he would pay them a fair wage. They went. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock. At five o'clock, he went back and found still others standing around. He said, Why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, Because no one hired us. He told them to go to work in his vineyard. When the day's work was over, The owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages. Start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. But they got the same and each of them one dollar. Taking the dollar, they, they groused angrily at the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you just made them equal to us, who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking, uh, speaking for the rest, Friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wages of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Here it is again, the great reversal. Many of the first ending up last and the last first. I think I was in older elementary school when I realized that the um, stories in the Bible didn't have titles originally. And we heard that this morning, that this one was out of the message was titled The Parable of the Workers. And we often call it the Parable of the Vineyard or the Parable of the Workers in the Vineyard. 
And it makes sense because it helps us identify it. Like earlier this week, my husband said, what are you preaching on? And I said, oh, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And he knew what that meant in a way that he would not have if I said, oh, Matthew 20, 1 through 16. (laughs) The danger or the downside of that is that the name that we give these things shapes the way we hear them. This is a parable about workers in the vineyard. But the parable is also about other things. It's about an employer. It's about a marketplace. It's about generosity and economics. It's about money. And those are things that can all get a little bit lost when we're focusing just on the workers in the vineyard, the grumbling workers in the vineyard. I've wondered how we might look at this parable differently if we called it the parable of the surprising salaries, (laughs) which is actually the name that the Jewish New Testament scholar Dr. Amy Jill Levine gives it, or the parable of the generous employer, or the parable of the workers who got hired just in the nick of time. There are all things that we might notice if we took our eyes off of the workers in the vineyard just for a moment. If we did that, we might wonder what the strange hiring practices are that are going on here. If you've ever hired or been hired for a job, you know the way it usually goes. Somebody has a job to do. They figure out how many people it will take and how many people they can pay. And then they hire that amount of people. The landowner has no clear idea how to do this. Sometime early in the morning, he goes to the marketplace and he just hires the people that he sees there. And then at 9 o'clock, he goes back and he goes back at noon and at 3 and at the end of the day. When you ask children to work with this story, they notice something that adults often miss. And that is that this story is funny. It's not funny like a knock-knock joke. It's absurd to the point of comedy, like a Will Ferrell movie or Rebel Wilson or a sitcom setup. Whatever is happening in this marketplace isn't working well or even at all. Tweens and teens notice this too because they're still good at seeing what needs fixed. And that's probably the clue that we need to unlock the story. The system of the marketplaces and the laborers is broken. The hiring practices, the wages paid, the way the workers in the field are organized, everything in the world as Jesus describes it needs overhauling. But what is surprising is that it gets overhauled not by the workers, but by the landowner. Sometimes in life and in parables, it's helpful to think about what's not being said as well as what is being said. This parable could have been a story about the workers organizing themselves to demand fair treatment. It could have been a parable about how those first workers hired 
got there and then demanded that all of the other workers get hired as well. Or even that the last workers who showed up used that good luck to negotiate for another day's work. Those also could have been stories about the kingdom of God. Those could have been stories about people looking out for one another. And some scholars have pointed out that guilds or unions of organized workers existed in the Roman world. Jesus could have drawn on that. The fact that he didn't might tell us that Jesus was asking a question about who is willing to do the work of fixing the world. Jesus might have been asking a question about how we get stuck defending things that don't work. He might have even been pointing out that sometimes we get more hung up on whether we have more than someone else than whether anyone else has enough. People who remembered their Greek after seminary much better than I did have pointed out that the English translation of the Bible misses the mark often on how it translates landowner or manager, as we had it this morning. In the Greek, it was Lord, which would give us another important clue about the relationships that are unfolding here. Lord, then, as now, is so often a stand-in for God. And that opens some other interesting possibilities. Some of the grace that comes pouring out of this story is that God is working. And even if we are late to the field, God welcomes and accepts us. The story, as many people have conventionally interpreted, is a story about who gets in to the kingdom of God and when. We might say it here, no matter who you are or when you arrive, you are welcome here. But some of the grace that comes pouring out of this story is that Jesus is willing to tell us the truth about ourselves. Jesus and all the prophets and the apostles are always very clear that our job is never to sit back and watch God work. It's to join in, and that's not just because that's what God wants or because that's what's right. It's because that's what's best for us. I like the way that Buddhist leader Thich Nhat Hot phrases it, and he poises the same question this way. He says, you know, at any moment, you have a choice that either leads you closer to your spirit or away from it. That is hope. In the setup, what seems to be taking people away from their spirits or away from the hope that is available to them is a sense of competition. The ones who miss the point are the ones who want to be sure that things are fair. Except they're not interested in fairness as a quality. They're interested in fairness in relationship to others. 
And when we do the work this way, then fairness becomes measured as what's fair for me in the world the way it is. Instead of what's fair in the world the way God envisions it. What is clear in the life and teachings of Jesus is that the kingdom of God is not Game of Thrones. Winners and losers are not determined at the expense of others. And those who try to play the game this way are guaranteed to come in last. The question we could be asking isn't even what's fair or what's right. It's how do we help change the entire idea of what it means for something to be fair or right. Whether we focus on that generous landowner or the grumbling workers or the workers who jump on the chance for even a little bit of work, the thing we see in the big picture is that all the work that's being done is ultimately good for everyone. And the question that we're left with then is which world will we choose to live into? There is the one that stands before us where we understand the rules and we can figure out where we come in. And there is the one that Jesus puts in front of us where grace is freely and unexpectedly given. And we are asked only to give as much as we are willing to gain. Let that choice be the choice that we ponder, considering whether it takes us closer to our spirit or farther from it. So stay for a while and then go out to be of service to all the works that are born of God's spirit. And in that work, may you be the breath and the voice of hope and of joy, of peace and compassion in a way that reflects what God means by those words. And as you do that, may you find strength in the truth of knowing that the light of God surrounds you. The love of God protects you. The presence of God watches over you, and wherever you are, God is. Amen. Amen.